0: Hello there, welcome along to the Michael Castle Group podcast series. Luke Davis is my name, and my special guest is Daniel Edmonds, who's the resident musical director of Beautiful The Carol King Musical, which is playing now at the Lyric Theatre in Sydney, then off to Her Majesty's Theatre in Melbourne from February. Daniel, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me. Now we're going to focus on a couple of things today. We'll learn a bit about you, where you come from, what you do, but we're also going to give some love to the musos, the people in the pit, in the engine room, who create the beautiful music that we hear on stage. So Daniel, you're a bit of a jack-of-all-trades in the music world, aren't you? Which is a terrific thing, but it takes a lot of work to get to where you are today.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I've had uh, a lot of great uh, fortune and some really great experiences. Mm. Um, a bit of an unorthodox path into the theatre, but yeah, it's been a great ride and I'm enjoying it.
0: Well, tell us about it. Tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was life like for a young Daniel Edmonds? I was a very
1: early piano player. Started when I was three and a half years old. Yes. Uh, growing up in Canberra, um, which was really a great training ground. I did a lot of great um, music, everything from classical music to jazz and pop and recordings and some TV and jingles and all those sorts of things. Uh, A little bit of theatre and eventually made the move to Sydney and tried to
0: figure out how to make it a career, which is, I think, the eternal question for all artists. But it's a great base for, for kids out there as well, is to try your hand at all these different styles of yeah. music. Did you, did you just play the piano or did you pick up other instruments?
1: I played a little bit of clarinet in high school, but that's probably best forgotten, <laughs> particularly by the ensembles I played with.
0: Well, I read that you actually composed... <laughs> a piece for your school brass band at the age of ten.
1: That's true. Do you yes. still have a recording
0: of that somewhere?
1: I'd probably do on a cassette somewhere. Um yeah, I was I was quite precocious, I think. <laughs> um I was always very interested in, you know, writing new things and arrangements and and um, you know, always said yes to things probably before I was ready. I remember asking um, in camera the the Pops Orchestra conductor at the time if I could write some arrangements when I was 18 or 20 and Mm. he, uh, you know, very graciously said yes and we had a great time doing it. it. Is
0: that something that you've continued into your adult life is to taking that leap into things that you may not feel 100% confident with but but at least throw yourself out there, give it a go?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think with experience comes, you know, you you start to know your limits a little better as you get older but I I feel like... Um, I'm definitely always up for a challenge and and I've been um,
0: very lucky to have some really great opportunities to stretch yeah and the proof is in the pudding now you look at your cv it's an impressive one for a relatively young bloke oh, oh you flatter <laughs> <laughs> you're the musical well you are the musical director of dream Lover because it's still around yes uh
1: yeah we worked on that uh, with david campbell which was a great thrill mm. um and you know that that was a period where i'd done uh, a lot of new shows mm. i worked on king kong as yes. music director with esther which we've talked about mm. and um Strictly Ballroom with Baz Luhrmann and his team,
0: which was really you, interesting. You know, I've just been a cast in a production of Strictly Ballroom, the musical, um, really? at the concourse in Chatswood in uh, mid-2018. Let I'm me have a guess. JJ Silvers. <laughs> there you How did go. How you know? Oh, perfect voice for it. <laughs> perfect voice.
1: So, yeah, it was a period of new work, which was great. Um, and then, I guess, there, there's always been um, a bunch of different projects for me, um, and I'd been very keen to to work with uh, Michael Castle I think he's been a, you know such a great force Incredible. in the industry um, and was thrilled when uh, you know I was in New York and got to meet the team and
0: got offered the job so at what point did you come into it so you were in New York at the time or you went over yeah. there
1: I was over there quite a, this has been a long lead time actually mm. 2 years uh, ago, I met um, Jason Howland, yeah. the music supervisor who put the show together originally. And him and I have become great collaborators and friends since. And I also met the original Broadway producers and saw the show. And honestly, was blown away. You know, the music, uh, I think I'm a bit of an old soul because I remember growing up trying to work out as a child how to play I Feel the Earth Move on the piano. Really? Absolutely, yeah. Fascinated by Carol's, you know, reinvention of pop harmony and how she played the piano and how it all worked. Yeah. So it was... Some dots connected.
0: I feel the earth move under my feet. I feel the sky tub and down I feel my heart start to tremble then when never you're around. And in this show it's just it's an embarrassment of riches, isn't it? I well, asked Jason absolutely. I asked Jason Howland this. Yeah is her array of music is that a blessing or a curse for you to work on a show like this?
1: <laughs> Absolutely a blessing. The only curse is the things you have to leave out. I think, but honestly, it's some of the the, the best catalogue of music that you could ever imagine. Particularly because Carol and Jerry Goff and her husband were also great friends with Cynthia Weil and mm. Barry Mann, who were a songwriting force of their own. For example, they were they were the people that wrote. Uh, You've Lost That Love and Feeling, which is the most played uh, pop song of the 20th century. Amazing. Uh, And so we get to explore, you know, a catalogue of all these great songs, all the things you would hope for and expect, like Natural Woman and I Feel the Earth Move. And, um, you know, one of the great joys of doing the show every night is when we play the first couple of chords of Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow, (laughs) you hear an audible gasp in the audience (laughs) as as people are transported back. And, uh, you know, lots and lots of performances when we – we strike the first couple of chords of um, "It's Too Late," you know, the hit song from the Tapestry mm-hmm. album. Um, we get applause before there's even uh, well. That's singing. easy, isn't yeah. it? It's
0: great. It's yeah, fantastic. But the first couple of chords are, are easy, but it's what comes after that because it's a huge responsibility for you and your band to to recreate and reimagine music that's so familiar to the audience.
1: Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm. I have a great team. Mm. I have uh, two great uh, associates. Vicky and Hayden, who I work with, and a twelve-piece band, who are the absolutely the best session musicians you could ever find in Sydney. So basically, what we've done is we've recreated a recording studio in the pit. Yeah. So audiences are hearing what you would hear. It's like an album being recorded every night. How good's that? Um, and the aim that we've, you know, the simple philosophy for us with the music is to make it sound as exciting in 2017 to hear those songs as it would have been when they first came out in the 50s, 60s. Uh, and you know this is the best it, they these songs will ever sound because mm. we have better technology now, better theaters, better sound systems. so I think it's a real treat for for audiences to hear that high fidelity version of these songs they love. You
0: make me feel good. I want to focus on some of your musos in the pit, the people plugging away each night. It's your own little family down there. It certainly is, yeah. They don't get all the credit, do they? Everyone on stage gets all the credit <laughs> and you do all the work.
1: Well, it's the, <laughs> as you mentioned, it's the engine room. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a its a great assortment of, of people down there, um, you know, who are specialists in their own fields. Um, they get a great big cheer at the end when... Um, esther and the cast gesture to the band mm-hmm. so they certainly always get a, a big applause which is great and well deserved but yeah it's um we play 32 songs in the in the show um it's
0: it's a lot of music but it's really enjoyable everyone's having a great time is it as competitive to get into the pit as it is to get on the stage are there auditions as such or is it you form connections and you invite people into the band
1: it's a combination of things um what we try to do is find the right people, no matter what whichever path they take into that pit, we try to find the right people for the right for the job, mm. knowing the the kind of music that this is and Carol's catalog, I worked with jason to to kind of work out the best fit and I think we've really uh, put together a great team and I, I know that the um you know people who come and listen and and the u s creatives were, were were quite thrilled with our with our band and our team, so that was a real yeah, you know, I was quite chuffed with that actually. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. and you and you've got your full-time um, theater performers, the actors and everything. Mm-hmm. Is it the same for the musos? Do people go from show to show and they're vying for that next gig?
1: A lot of them do. A lot of them that we have on this also do a lot of other things in addition. So they have very busy weeks. They play on records and sessions and.
0: Well, that's what I was going to yeah. ask because we spoke separately to Esther and she says, you know, the, the show like this is all-consuming. You know, that's yeah. pretty much all she does. Yeah. What about you? You. you you work at night at you and your musos Mm -hmm. you do you then take on other projects during the daylight hours
1: uh yes i think what people probably don't realize sometimes which is a sort of behind the scenes theater thing Mm. is it's there's actually a lot of daylight hours as well as nighttime hours because we also have understudies for all the roles that we prepare and Mm -hmm. keep fresh every week Mm -hmm. Um, we do matinees and we also do publicity calls and things like that um I am probably stupid and hungry enough also to say yes to some other freelance (laughs) jobs, but I like doing that because I think it's important to keep across a whole range of genres and I think that that makes life more exciting and, you know, for now I've got the energy, so I'll keep
0: doing that. Yeah, well, it's certainly that. Again, looking down at your CV, a couple of things that stood out for me you're, you've been the personal musical director for the likes of Simon Burke and Caroline O'Connor. I've mm-hmm. actually never heard of that, a personal musical director. What does that involve? It's
1: really, it was really me working with them on a, on a string of projects together. I worked with Caroline uh, on, a, on a project we did in London and New York, which we then brought wow. back to Australia. And I, I've worked with Simon on a lot of projects. And they've been really helpful to me in opening a bunch of doors. And we've got a great
0: collaboration. So. Terrific. And you also yeah. composed – you were commissioned – to provide a fanfare for the prime minister in two thousand and six, which <laughs> uh, would have been John Howard. Yeah. What was that? Was it for a specific
1: event? It was. It was an employment awards gala event. Right. And the brief came through that they wanted a specifically composed fanfare. Uh, so I, I said, sure. You know, it's, it wasn't. It was a very Lots of trumpets and brass. It was, yeah, timpani, trumpets, brass. <laughs> it seems, yeah, I've, I've had a couple of those uh, really um, left field requests for you know to compose to a brief, but yeah. why not?
0: Yeah, for sure. And then you've worked on the cabaret and concert scenes as well. Everybody from uh, uh, Rhonda Birchmore, Kate miller Trevor mm-hmm. Ashley, Lucy Maunder. Mm-hmm. In fact, Lucy will be joining the beautiful cast in Melbourne. Yes, she will. She'll yeah. be taking over the role of Cynthia While Do you want to hear my Lucy Maunder story? Please, yes. Lucy Maunder was the first girl I ever kissed. Really? Ever, ever. Wow. I was in, I was in year 10 at North Sydney Boys, and uh, I was cast in the lead role of our, our musical, Half a Sixpence. And Lucy was uh, playing opposite me. She went to North Sydney Girls. Now, at this stage, year 10, I'd never, ever kissed a girl in real life. Uh-huh. And so here we are in the show, and I had to kiss Lucy Maunder on stage in the show. I think she still talks about it because the chemistry was just remarkable, (laughs) as you can imagine. But now she's a massive star and I'm just languishing in the ensemble of amateur theatre and reminiscing (laughs) on the good old days. But Lucy Oh
1: She's a great talent. Um, I've done some concerts with Lucy and done an album with her, actually. Really?
0: uh, Of Irving Berlin songs. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, she's a force. She's great. And we look forward to welcoming her for sure. Can't wait. She's going to be a terrific addition to the cast. Your biography states that you're a wannabe guitarist. What's a guitarist? (laughs) A guitar is like a keyboard that
1: you hold like a guitar. Mm. And it's one of those bucket list items for me. So if anyone listening has got a gig for a guitarist and has one, I'd love to try it. I've just never had the chance.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure you'll get there one day. You've Uh, tried just about everything else. Going back over your CV, we talked about um, Dream Lover, the Bobby Darren. You've done Strictly Ballroom, uh, King Kong, massive names. But these are all shows that have established names or brands, I suppose. So mm. before you even begin, there's an immediate expectation from the audience of what they're going to see. That must be something special, but also quite challenging.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think with all of those projects, people hope for certain things and people want to be surprised as well. Hmm. And that's a really interesting um, mix to get right. Um, and it's a, you know something that's constantly evolving. And one of the great things I like about working with um, a large group of collaborators, which you get to do in these theatrical contract texts, is... You know, you can create work that does all of those things that surprises and delights and gives people these moments that they're hoping for. Mm. Certainly, with with something like King Kong, the first reveal of the giant gorilla and the sound that goes along with that was such a thrill to to pull off. And it was mm. one, I remember seeing it in a tech rehearsal, yeah. And it was it was one of the most amazing things I've ever
0: seen mm. in a the theater. To be honest, it was
1: fantastic, and it you know it took three hundred people to make it work.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah, you talk about amazing things in theatre, and and I'm not just saying this; I'm not overstating it. But honestly, this beautiful Carol King musical is one of the most outstanding pieces of theatre I've ever seen. Not because of the music. Yes, the music is outstanding, but also just no, just the overall context of telling Carol's story. And you listen to the music, and you watch it, and you pick up things that you you've never heard before in the song. You may have played it a thousand times, mm. sung it a thousand times, but to put it into the context of her life, telling yeah. that story is different. You listen to It's Too Late Baby Oh, It's Too Late though yeah. we really did try to make it or Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? It comes with that desperation. The storytelling yeah. is extraordinary.
1: I think it's amazing on two levels. One, that we give the audience a glimpse into the songwriting process. Mm. So it's not really a jukebox show. It's a show about the music yeah. and the making of the music. So you get to see these songs being written and then getting fully realised with these star artists of the time, like the Drifters and the Shirelles and the Righteous Brothers and all those people, um, which I think is really exciting to see and, and such a rare treat. Yeah. And I think the other thing is people who love Carol's music have always loved her emotional honesty and the way she can deliver a song which makes it feel like it's just for you. Yeah, And getting to see that in the context of her life, I think, is something that a lot of our audiences aren't quite prepared for mm. and, and uh, have been surprised and delighted by it. To see, as you say, it's too late in the context of where Carol was in her life at that time.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really great. I walked out of the theatre just thinking, I have felt something for the past two and a half hours. You know, you may be feeling joy. You're laughing. You're crying. You're feeling for yeah. two and a half hours. It's yeah. an incredible show in that way. I mentioned this to Esther in a in a previous podcast one of these days carol king is going to come into that theater i've seen the footage you would have seen the footage she got up on stage yeah. she pointed down to the pit to jason and said you've got a friend go are you ready for that moment i'm ready
1: i'll be nervous but at that moment i'll be ready i yeah it will be the thrill of a lifetime
0: absolutely and yeah. will you be traveling with the show to melbourne brisbane adelaide and beyond yes
1: absolutely look really look forward to getting to melbourne mm. it's uh, it's a great cultural city um, and I've worked at the Madge before. It's, it'll be a really nice fit in there, and um, we have some new members of the band who will be as you know, equally as good
0: uh, as our Sydney group, so very much looking forward to taking the show there. Terrific. Melbourne, and Aud- Melbourne audiences will absolutely love it. Book your tickets now. As I said, in many ways, you and your crew are the unsung heroes of the show, <laughs> so congratulations, and thank you for all the joy you've provided to thousands of audience members so far. Thanks very much. Beautiful. The Carol King Musical. It's open now at the Lyric Theatre in Sydney. Then, as we said, moves to Melbourne from mid-February, the Her Majesty's Theatre, magnificent theatre. Beautifulmusical.com.au is the place for all the information and to buy your tickets to hear Daniel Edmonds and the phenomenal team of musicians. Daniel, thanks so much for your time.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: And thanks to everyone for listening. I'm Luke Davis, and we'll speak to you soon on the next Michael Castle Group podcast.